Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Good morning. Roto experts. To the end zone. It's hot. Touchdown. Oh, my The mark of fantasy excellence. You have to be careful about who you think is stepping forward on the depth chart. It's caught for a touchdown. We're here to help you win your leagues and win that cash. You are now tuned in to the Roto Experts in the morning. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. Rise and shine, fantasy players. It is a beautiful day in the neighborhood. It is Monday, September 17th. Let's cockadoodle do it. This is Roto Experts in the Morning, right here on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I'm your host, Dane Martinez. They call me Speeds, the spitting statistician. And as always, I am overjoyed to be joined by my man, El Rey de Fantasia, FSWA Hall of Famer. It's the King, Scott Angle. Scotty, how you doing on this Monday after week two? Oh, just trying to get out from under these, uh, you know, these stunning performances on Sunday. Yeah. It's like, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick doing it again. Patrick Mahomes is, uh, it, I, I don't know if there's anybody I can compare it to. Ten touchdown passes over his first two games. Nobody's ever done that in NFL history. Yep, absolutely true. Andy Reid must love the new toy that he has. And remember, I think this is part of what they were thinking about. You know, listen, they knew Alex Smith in Kansas City was kind of a serviceable quarterback. I don't know if you ever played golf, Scotty, but the analogy is to me is like Alex Smith will get you on the green, but he's not going to get you closest to the pin. You know what I mean? Like he's serviceable, but to take that shot, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs kind of knew they needed to go to Patty Mahomes. I think that they had gotten to their kind of limit with Alex Smith, you know, kind of that 15-13 playoff game against the Steelers a few years ago. But Patty Mahomes absolutely doing it yesterday. Here's the funny part that I think about Patty Mahomes also is that, um, you know, I mean, he almost – he only had five incompletions yesterday. He had more touchdowns than incompletions yesterday. He goes 23 of 28, 326 yards, six touchdowns, and like I said, only five incompletions as the Kansas City Chiefs do work against the Pittsburgh Steelers. But here's the thing. Here's the point I want to make. Um, 
Whoever plays against the Kansas City Chiefs this year is also going to see some production in the passing game, Scotty. I remember last week, Phillip Rivers put up like 420-something against these Chiefs. And yesterday, Big Ben Roethlisberger puts the ball up 60 times. He goes for 452 yards and three touchdowns. What do you think is more impressive here, um, what Patty Mahomes is doing with the offense, or that we have a ready-made game stack? literally every week going forward. Well, I think it's kind of impressive when you look at yesterday's outing. The the, the Steelers did, did uh, were able to take away Tyreek Hill early on. He was like, fine, I'll just hit every other receiver I have for every other touchdown pass. His final touchdown pass was Tyreek Hill. So I think I think they were they were thinking that maybe okay, you know, we we try to take away Hill, it'll be tougher for Mahomes, but uh, Mahomes was still able to spread the ball all around the field and still throw it deep. So that was the most impressive thing from a football perspective for me. So <coughs> it looks like I'll be taking the over with the Chiefs every week, depending on who they're playing. And the other thing was all, all these big performances. I, I just remember on Thursday night, you know, on social media, everybody was like, oh, I played against A.J. Green and I lost. Right. You know, with, with all the big performances yesterday, it's like I said, you don't win or lose your games on Thursday night. You could easily match or exceeded A.J. Green's performance with one player yesterday. Yeah, absolutely true, and that was the truth. If you think about it, um, A.J. Green on Thursday night, and it depends on the scoring system, but in PPR, put up almost 30 points. I'm counting, you know, Melvin Gordon, Matt Ryan, Michael Thomas, Adam Thielen, Juju, Todd Gurley, Stefan, can you digs it? And, of course, Patty Mahomes and Big Ben definitely did work. Other quarterbacks in there, too, depending on your scoring system. I mean, Blake Bortles with 377 yards and four touchdowns. Kirk Cousins with 425 yards and four touchdowns. Let's talk about those two games for a little bit, Scott, starting with the tie in the NFC North, okay? Like I mentioned, you know, Cousins goes off for 425 yards. Stefan Diggs looks like a man among boys with a 75-yard catch and the other touchdown as well. But um, I want to go on the other side. Scotty, because Aaron Rodgers, against what many people thought was like the best defense in the NFC, uh, has a representative game, 281 yards and a touchdown, keeps his team in it. Forget in it. They were winning most of the game, but then these field goal kickers uh, really don't know, uh, both in Minnesota and in Cleveland, I guess, these field goal kickers giving it up 29-29 atop the NFC North. What do you take away from this game, Scotty? The biggest takeaway I had for this game was Aaron Rodgers and you yeah. know fantasy players over worry, you know, asking on Twitter and the Roto Experts exclusive edge uh Slack chat on Sunday. Uh, do you think Rodgers is gonna finish the game? And uh look, Rodgers is starting you play him. We've seen him play through injuries before. And when he threw that touchdown pass to Devontae Adams, the thing that really struck me was on the play before to set it up on another pass to Adam. He was dancing around in the pocket and evading yep. the rush and, you know, still threw the ball downfield. So, you know, I'm not worried about Aaron Rodgers at all going forward unless he takes a hit that gives him a setback. But that could happen to any quarterback.
This is true. Anybody that is out there is an injury risk because I hear football is a violent game. Hey, Scotty, this Mm. game that did go to overtime, there was a brief talk. Well, not talk. I mean, it happened. But Dalvin Cook left the game um, in overtime. Uh, They said it might have been, I believe it was a hamstring. But then they said he's he after the game said he's okay. Any uh, concern there with Dalvin Cook? Uh. You know, I don't think we'll know anything for sure until mm-hmm. later today. But from the reports that I saw, they said it, it was minor. So uh, you know, the, the passing offense was, was really what they were using more than anything on Sunday. Game flow kind of also, you know, put them out of it. You know, we really haven't seen the upside from Dalvin Cook yet. But I'll be patient. I still think it's coming. Yeah, absolutely. I still think it's Coven as well. As long as he's on the field next week, they get a home date with the Buffalo Bills. Game flow should dictate that they're running the ball in the second half in that one. As I look to this, here's one question I do want to ask you about the Green Bay Packers. You know, Aaron Rodgers riding in the saddle. He's okay. And as we've talked about this, the Green Bay Packers with Aaron Rodgers, they are really a passing team. So the people who are talking about Jamal Williams, you know, Aaron Jones, who will come back off suspension next week in week three. But I look at these receivers, okay? And, you know, Randall Cobb had the big catch in the, at the end of week one, but we've been talking about our guy Geronimo, you know, Scotty. And so I want to ask you, you know, Jimmy Graham has the nice game. Devontae Adams catches a touchdown. But what I see, Geronimo Allison, six for 64. Randall Cobb, four for 30. We know Devontae Adams is a locked and loaded wide receiver one. We know if you have Jimmy Graham on your team, you're starting him kind of week to week. You have him in that, you know, second tier of tight ends. But people who have Randall Cobb and Geronimo Allison, I think this this is going to be kind of a horse race that I want to monitor week to week, Scotty, for kind of who is that wide receiver two or that third option. What do you think uh, what you saw out of Allison and Cobb? I'm encouraged if I'm a Geronimo Allison owner. I think his star will continue to ascend as the season goes along. What do you think, Scott? Yeah, I'm starting to really wonder if Randall Cobb's best years are behind him with all the injuries that he suffered. Uh, yeah, we did, but then again, you know, maybe that's an overreaction because I just remember, you know, that long touchdown that he's that he caught week one. Uh, last, last week in the opener. So, you know, this might be a thing where Aaron Rodgers is throwing the ball enough that it makes the third receiver in that offense very relevant because this is this is a pass-first team. It's staying that way. Uh, it's a running back by committee. You don't know who to depend on. As long as Aaron Rodgers is there, you know, they, they almost ignore running the ball. Yeah, and that's, you know, going into the season – Scotty, remember, we talked about two things. You know, as we broke down every team and kind of projections and stuff, we both said it's two factors, right? It's it's the slice of their pie within the team, but also how big is the pie? And we've always said that the Green Bay Packers pie, especially passing, is so big that it can sustain, you know, kind of multiple pass catchers that are out there and can be viable. And maybe Geronimo Allison is really trending to be that kind of guy. I got to tell you something, Scotty, you know, in that same kind of analysis, even when a guy like Marquise Lee got hurt, right? And people were like, oh, which Jaguars wide receiver is it? I was like, eh, I don't know that I care about the Jacksonville Jaguars passing game enough to really, you know, want any of these pass catchers. Well, Blake Bortles yesterday put it in my eye. He went 29 for 45 for 377 yards passing, four touchdowns up against only one interception. And then he also ran for 35 yards as well. A good day out of Blake Bortles as they 
beat the defending AFC champion New England Patriots 31-20 in a rematch of the AFC title game. And listen, Scott, they do this without Leonard Fournette, TJ Yeldon under center for the most part. But as I mentioned, I was kind of off these Jacksonville wide receivers. Keelan Cole has a huge game, seven catches, 116 yards, and a touchdown, and an old Dell Beckham catch to boot. What do you think about what you saw out of the Jaguars offense in a big win down south yesterday? We've seen Bortles put up some good numbers in the past when Leonard Fournette has been hurt. Like he, he you know, he takes the reins of the offense when it's happened. But you know, it's kind of confusing though, because when we've seen we've seen Bortles put up good numbers in the past, it's been playing, it's been playing catch up, etc. He's been inconsistent. But you know, this this was a very impressive performance, and almost you know, if Blake Bortles is going to play well going forward. You you can almost mark this game as a turning point in his career. Uh, I'm still skeptical. And, you know, I want to see more of it, but uh, the performance was impressive. Keelan Cole is emerging. It clearly is this team's number one wide receiver. And uh, D.D. Westbrook probably is the number two. They tried to get Chark involved, but I, I just don't think he's ready to make a significant contribution here. Uh, I don't think this team needs any wide receivers. I was disappointed by the production of T.J. Yeldon, but, you know, the game flow didn't t- dictate, uh, you know, too much running the ball, or they, they used Corey Grant a lot. I'm impressed. I remain skeptical. Uh, track record with Blake Bortles makes me remain skeptical, but it was a very impressive victory and a very impressive performance. That's all I can say about it. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, you mentioned kind of how they get Westbrook involved. I mean, Moncrief gets a touchdown. The Rastafari, Austin Safari, and Jenkins, King Ali Selassie, he gets in the end zone as look, well look. with three catches. You know what I mean? Everything, Iris Scotty. Um, Three catches, 23 yards, and a touchdown, you know, for uh, Austin Safari and Jenkins as well, right? So, I mean, I guess here's my thing, Scott. We, you, you know this. You and I are going to be bombarded this week with questions, whether it's on social media. Follow my boy Scotty at ScottyRotoX. Follow me at Spitting Speeds. Whether it's on these shows where you can holler at us at 844-843-6879. Or if it's on the Roto Experts Exclusive Edge in-season fantasy football package. Enter the promo code THEKING at checkout where the Slack Chat channel allows you to, uh, you know, kind of communicate back and forth. Whether it's on my Patreon, the real home, the stats over beat cipher, however you get to Dane and Scotty, people are gonna start asking us, Scott, oh, do I pick up Blake Bortles? Do I do I do I start Blake Bortles over X quarterback? And 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 Scotty, honestly, I don't know how to respond to these people, you know, because I still believe that the way the Jacksonville Jaguars want to win games is by running and defense, not with Blake Bortles throwing it for 377 yards. They don't want Blake Bortles putting it up 45 times, but someone's just going to refer me to the box score, and there's not much I can say. Where are you slating Blake Bortles moving forward? Are you starting him in a 14-team uh, non-superflex league? Like, where are you going with Blake Bortles here? Yeah, I think, you know, he's kind of hit that top 15 but I don't want to overreact foot you know the quarterback position is so deep that you know that I was ranking certain quarterbacks that I liked like 14 15 yesterday so I think he's got to do it more than once to really like totally crack say the top 14 or something like that you know I think I think he he, he, yesterday's performance you can react to it but you can't overreact based on one week like we said a week ago and I think you consider him a streamer uh, but I, w- I wouldn't, you know, put him in as a regular start every week. 
Yeah, I hear you, Scott, and I'm with you. I just know the uh, the questions are going to start coming fast and furious, and people saying, "Oh, I told you, look," and he even got you know he even had 35 yards rushing, and that's sustainable. Blake Bortles does run a little bit, I will admit that, but I don't know if we're going to see the same thing next week when they have a divisional matchup against Tennessee. We will find out. Hey, here's Scotty. What I want to tell people, all right, is that if they enjoy playing daily fantasy, and I had a bad DFS week scotty i didn't cash at all um if you enjoy playing dfs but are sick of dealing with professionals using algorithms to select hundreds of lineups and entries try the props builder tool over at mybookie.ag forget having to create multiple lineups ditch the hassle of dealing with late scratches and avoid experts winning 90 percent of the money invest in the players that you want without salary caps and if you sign up for a new account using the promo code fntsy you can elect an option to receive 50 percent deposit bonus with the rollover requirement no more dealing with with late lineup scratches, no experts to compete against, just you and the prop that you choose. Go to mybookie.ag, enter the promo code FNTSY upon sign up, and choose your matchups using the prop builder tool. That's mybookie.ag, enter the promo code fantasy FNTSY. Hey, Scotty, we got to take a quick break, but uh, you know, Mike Blewett is out today on FST, so it's you and me for a two hour sprint. So we're going to go through all the games, Scotty, all of our biggest takes. Takeaways, and at the end, we will preview Monday Night Football. If people want to join the fun, they absolutely can. The number to call is 844-843-6879. And, Scotty, when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about this game. But I got to ask you, the thing we're going to talk about has uh, – has the day of Sony Michelle started to come in the Patriots' backfield? I mean, Rex Burkhead was noted as the starter, got a couple carries in the first series, but then we didn't see him again until the end. And I got to tell you something, Scotty. Sony Michelle looked a little bit like a running back that they may use in a more traditional way, given kind of how they're giving it to him, the formations they're using. I want to ask you about that and what it means for Sony Michelle in the weeks ahead when we come back. It's Roto Experts in the Morning right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Don't forget, if you want to join the show, we're going to open up the phone lines at the end of this hour, 844-843-6879. Dane and Scott, Roto Experts in the Morning. Come on back. There's only one place to listen to the best fantasy advice, and that's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. By downloading the FNTSY Radio Network app, you'll be blessed with having the top fantasy experts right in your pocket. You'll get award-winning and entertaining programs like the Roto Experts. Let's cock-a-doodle do it. Fantasy best friends forever. Yo! Carton and Friends. Yeah, buddy! And so much more. You feel what I'm saying? Download the FNTSY Sports Radio Network app now and take the most trusted fantasy experts with you wherever you go. It's Roto Experts in the morning right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. The spitting statistician and the king holding you down after a big-time slate. Week 2 is almost done. It will complete itself later tonight with the Bears and the Seahawks renewing their uh, rivalry. We were talking, Scotty, before break about this Jaguars-Patriots game. The Jacksonville Jaguars get some moniker of revenge for the AFC title game, although I'm sure they'd rather trade this win in for that one that happened in... 
early January or in January of this year. But the Jaguars do get their W, 31-20. to We talked about the Jaguar side, the impressive performance of Blake Bortles and this all without their guy for Netflix and chill. On the other side of the ball, I wanted to ask you, Scotty, uh, I brought up Sony Michelle and this running back room. Now listen, you didn't get much. Uh, yesterday out of the Patriots run game. But again, this was against the Jacksonville Jaguars offense, right? Um, as I think George Kurtz said on the commercial break, James White was the guy to really own, and he did catch seven balls for 73 yards. He had 84 total yards to kind of pace the way in terms of the running backs. But I asked you about Sony Michelle, Scott. It looked like right after the first series that Sony Michelle was like their – uh, I guess for lack of a better term, normal running back, the guy that was in the backfield, the guy that they were giving handoffs to. And he looked good in some runs. He looked like he was running violently a couple times off tackle. They they threw it to him out of the backfield a couple of times. My question is not really about this game, but trying to read the tea leaves moving forward because, Scotty, they got the Detroit Lions next week, a team that has been in getting gashed via the run game. And so I'm trying to wonder if maybe Sony Michelle really is that play moving forward. What do you think? Think about the debut of Sonny Michelle with the Patriots and what it means for these Patriots running backs moving forward. We didn't see much, and I don't think we, we expected to see much because he was eased back in, and you know New England is uh, you know still in that committee sort of mode. Burkhead was still there, et cetera. Uh, I temper expectations on Sonny Michelle. I, I know they drafted him in the first round, but they haven't had a, a pure feature back since Corey Dillon. Maybe he could end up being their leading rusher and you know first choice for touchdowns, but I can't see him becoming anything more than a flex because I just don't believe until I actually see it for a stretch of like three or four games that the Patriots are going to rely on one, one running back. I hear you. I'm a little bit more bullish on Sonny Michelle, Scott. I got to tell you the truth. I mean, he did get the 10 carries, which led the team yesterday. And I also just think um, in the way they were using him, like that first series when he came back on, they literally gave him the ball three times in a row. And then in the next series, they gave him the ball two times in a row. I think that as the season goes along, you're right, not right now, but uh, something you mentioned is maybe he could become that. I think I just have a little bit more faith than you do that that actually is what's going to happen, that he will grow a little bit more into that role as time goes on and the matchups kind of suggest in the next month or so that he will have that opportunity to do so. But you make a great point, Scotty. The idea of you trying to figure out Bill Belichick and his running back rotation has been something of a fool's errand for a long, long time. One team, Scott, that does have a lot of connections to these New England Patriots is the team that will be facing these New England Patriots next Sunday night. I'm talking about the Detroit Lions and Matt Patricia, the first-year coach. They go to San Francisco, and while they hang around and uh, they get a little bit of a backdoor cover ruining my bet on the San Francisco 49ers, they still go down and they go to 0-2 as the Niners and Jimmy G get a win in their home opener. The Niners win 30-27. to As I mentioned, the backdoor was open, though. They were up big. They were up, like, I think 30-14 to at one point, or 30-13 to 13 at one point, and then the Lions come on back, the, the prototypical backdoor cover, and so the six-point spread didn't happen. I had a bad week, pick-em-wise, and this was one of them. But Matty Stafford gets back off the deck for these Detroit Lions. He puts the ball up 53 times, Scotty, 347 yards and three touchdowns. But you know where I'm going with this one, Scotty. I think the real star of this Detroit 
Detroit offense and the guy who, you know, if you don't have him yet and if he is available, you need to go get him. Scotty, sing it with me. You know where I'm going because it would be... It would be so nice, Galladay. Oh, yeah. yeah. Kenny Galladay. Let me tell you something, Scott. I'm telling you. I mean, and I said this before as it related to the potential for Brandon Marshall tonight with how Baldwin and uh, Lockett are both smaller kind of receivers. Marvin Jones and Golden Tate are smaller kind of receivers. I don't know if you heard this on the telecast. Apparently, there's a nickname going around. They're starting to call Kenny Galladay Babytron, as in baby uh, Calvin Johnson Megatron. Now, I'm not going to go that far, but the body type is there. He is the big wide receiver for these Detroit Lions, six for 89 and a touchdown. And I'm telling people, we said it all offseason. We said it all preseason. This guy is going to continue to break out. That's why you listen to Dane and Scott. Hopefully, you are ahead of the curve on Kenny Galladay, and you can celebrate the Galladay. What do you think about our boy Kenny? I predicted this during the preseason that yeah. uh, that he was going to move forward and it was going to be at the expense of Marvin Jones, and that's that's exactly what happened. Golden Tate has continued to play incredibly well, and it was a bounce-back spot for Matthew Stafford. Uh, game flow certainly dictated that he had to throw the ball a lot You know, against a very vulnerable San Francisco secondary. Outside of Richard Sherman, I didn't see them going his, to his side too much. Uh, they were able to pick apart just about everything else. Yeah, and I mean, here's my thing, Scotty. You know, we talk about these different offenses. You just mentioned, uh, Scott, with the Green Bay Packers, right? Like, they're going to throw the ball. And the same could be said for the Detroit Lions. They are going to throw the ball, even though Matt Patricia wants to kind of get the run more involved. Jim Bob Cooter and Game Script will likely dictate that this team is going to throw the ball. Matty Stafford puts it up 53 times. Kenny Galladay is someone you definitely want to check for to see if he's available in your league. I don't know that he will be, but I would even start offering trades to the Kenny Galladay owner because we Scotty and Dane believe that this is sustainable, that this can continue. But Scotty, I got to also ask you about in Detroit, I want to ask you about these running backs, okay? Because I also believe, let me see if you uh, agree with me on this one. I believe that Carrion Johnson is going to continue to ascend over time. Listen, they look like a much better offense, Scott, when Carrion Johnson is the running back. I know LeGarrette Blunt had eight carries for 38 yards and one that looked good uh, for a long, you know, like a 13-yard run or something. But Carrion Johnson, I think... Two things. One, not only does he look like the best running back, but he also looks like a running back that they can take advantage of in the passing game as well. He had five catches for 23 yards. And the reason this is important to me is because... Outside of Carryon Johnson, when LeGarrette Blunt's in the game, you know they're more likely to run the ball. When Theo Riddick's in the game, you know they're more likely to throw the ball. Carryon Johnson gives you that kind of versatility to go either way. I actually, uh, I would buy now if the stop for the uh, Carryon Johnson stock. What I think it's on the way up as well. What do you think, Scotty, about this running back room? It's clear when he runs the ball that he's probably the best runner there, but. I think they're still hung up on Theo Riddick, you know, in the in the passing game, and they're going to give him a lot of opportunities. And Blunt looked good on one or two carries here. I think, I think we all want to see Carrion Johnson, you know, emerge as that guy. You know, he looks like he has the freshest legs. He looks right. like he has the most burst, the most authority, etc. But uh, I have a feeling that you know the Lions are. I, I think I think they, they they like what they have in the committee right now, and I'm kind of kind of scared they might stick to it for a little while. 
Yeah, it could be unfortunate if we all think that, <clears throat> excuse me, carry on Johnson, carry on my wayward son has the skill set, but maybe not the full on opportunity that he needs because of a guy like, say, like Theo Riddick in the past game or like LeGarrette Blunt in the run game. I got to tell you, though, Scotty, you know, for the last couple of weeks, you know, first of all, LeGarrette Blunt left the week one game with what looked like a myriad of injuries that looked bad. He leaves the week two game by getting ejected, you know, at one point, And we've heard in the rumblings in the Detroit locker room about people not being happy with Patricia, things of that nature, you know, at some point, might they just, uh, you know, kind of might the time come for them just to anoint carry on though? It might, but uh, like I said, they re- seem to really like Theo Riddick a lot and uh, Blunt gets mixed in too. Yeah, I guess that is true. Uh, so something we're going to have to keep our eye on. As we kind of go back and forth between early games and late games, I want to go to uh, what many people consider an upset that is, you know, fits magic happening again. Down there in Tampa Bay, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers beat the defending Super Bowl champions 27-21, to and Ryan Fitzpatrick does it again, Scotty. 27 of 33, 402 yards, four touchdowns, one interception, only six incompletions, Scott, as he completes 27 of his 33 balls, like I said, including the very first play of the game, Deshaun Jackson. Now, we Deshaun Jackson was in the protocol, had a banged-up shoulder, but one thing I know, Scotty, is that Deshaun Jackson loves to stick it to his former team, the Philadelphia Eagles. He had four catches for 129 yards and that touchdown, a 75-yard bomb at the very first play of the game. O.J. Howard with a big touchdown as well. This one, though, like a run down the left side, another 75-yard touchdown, padding Fitzy's numbers. Uh, Scotty, I got to tell you, though, I don't think Jameis is the starting quarterback of this team anymore. Yeah, and you know, when a guy throws four touchdown passes two weeks in a row with just one interception, certainly looks like he's going to have a hold on the job, but I have a hard time believing that uh, Deshaun Jackson can keep this up. Yeah, I, I think I might have lost you, Scotty, but I'm going to keep on going because it's happened before. No, so I'm here. Um, I'm, I'm, oh, I'm there here. you go. Okay, what you uh, you were talking about, Deshaun? Yeah, I think he, you know, he he's the kind of guy who just gets up for facing his former team. You know, it's like this chip on his shoulder kind of thing with Deshaun Jackson, right? It's always been like that against Philly, though, right? Yeah, but I've seen historically Deshaun Jackson has had a big game or two and has disappeared for long stretches, and we're deeper into his career. If I could sell high on Deshaun Jackson, I'd do it because at some point Ryan Fitzpatrick's going to come to earth and Mm -hmm. Deshaun Jackson's going to come crashing with him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's why we say, Scott, you know, that's why, to be quite honest, in my opinion at least, Deshaun Jackson is the name people always put out there when you're talking about best ball formats, right, Scott? You know, and it's and, and this is exactly why. He's going to have these kind of games, the four catches for 129 yards and a touchdown. But to your point, Scott, you never know when they're going to come, and then he's going to flame out and watch next week. He's going to go, you know, like three catches for 31 yards or something like that, just when everyone thinks that he's the guy that they need to put in their lineups. On the other side of things, 
Scott, Nick Foles, you know, he goes for 334 yards and a touchdown. But, you know, I mean, this may be his last week under center for Philadelphia. We're getting reports that Nick Foles, excuse me, that uh, Carson Wentz has finally been cleared for contact and that he probably will be under center for week three. We'll keep an eye out on that as we move along this week. But regardless, I got to say, Scotty, until Alshon Jeffrey comes back, the people that you want in this offense are very, very clear. And it's no one else besides Zach Ertz and Nelson Aguilar. Aguilar goes 8 for 88 and a touchdown. Zach Ertz, 11 catches for 94 yards. You know, in the run game, Jay Ajayi got a little bit banged up. He did, however, return to have a nice touchdown run, but they're spreading it around as a committee in the running game. But Ertz and Aguilar are people you got to have shares on, especially until Alshon Jeffrey comes back, right? Scotty, are you there? Okay, I can't hear Scotty, but that's all right, because if I did hear Scotty, he would tell you that exactly that, that these are the guys in this Philadelphia pass offense that you want, okay? That's where their bread is going to be buttered, and I expect this to be the same even when Carson Wentz comes back. I mean, Zach Ertz with 11 catches, 94 yards, that's something you like, even after he had only five catches in week one. So we like that that's happening, and the same with Nelson. Aguilar. I also got to let you guys know that Fantasy Factor is the only DFS site with exclusively single-entry contests. It is a fun and recreational place to play with smaller leagues and flatter prize pools. They have great free promotions like Survivor, like Super Bowl Squares, like March Madness. So sign up today. Go on over to FantasyFactor.com. That's right, FantasyFactor.com. All right, um... So here's the thing, and if you look at our fantasy pool, you know, unfortunately, Scott, listen, at this point, and I'll tell Scott when we get to it next week, but Scott is now 0 for 2 in his fantasy uh, in, in, in Survivor, okay? He gave you the Titans week 1, and he gave you the Washington football team in week 2. I'm the only one that's 2-0 and 0 in Survivor. I gave you Baltimore week 1, and even though I had to sweat it out, I gave you the Saints in week 2. So if we got my man Scotty back, let's go to that game real quick before our next break. Scotty... Next yeah. game I want to talk about are the Saints. They eke out a close one. I mean, these Cleveland Browns, to be quite honest, if they had a field goal kicker um, that could do work, they might be 2-0. Remember, Zane Gonzalez misses the field goal in overtime week one. He misses a number of field goals and extra points yesterday. The Browns could easily be 2-0. However, they are still winless on the season. The Saints Eek one out, 21-18. Scotty, we had reports that kind of broke the internet on Saturday night as well. My question for you, Scott, is who do you think will actually be released by Cleveland first today? Josh Gordon or Zane Gonzalez? Probably Zane Gonzalez because that's two weeks in a row that he blew it. And he blew it, blew it even more big time. Although, even if he would have made that kick, Drew Brees still would have went down the field and uh, and scored. But look, the, you know, we talked about that big spread. Uh, you know, the Browns covered yesterday. You know, they've been playing yep. pretty, good, pretty good defense. Uh, but if they didn't have any, any bad luck, they wouldn't have any luck, any luck at all. You know, the coaching is just not very good. You know, the situational decisions, et cetera. Uh, but, you know, Terod, Terod Taylor, uh, you know, not too impressive again yesterday. You have to start wondering when they're going to start thinking about, about the rookie there. Carlos Hyde scored for the second consecutive week. It's looking like he's, he's touchdown dependent. Jarvis Landry was Jarvis Landry. 
Absolutely. Jarvis Landry was Jarvis Landry. I think we could put this Carlos Hyde, Nick Chubb timeshare question to bed. The running back for the Cleveland Browns is Carlos Hyde. I think that is clear. And you mentioned Tyrod or Tyrod, you know, not necessarily showing up. He, you know, he does, however, his completion percentage is still there. 22 for 30. He did turn the ball over. I got to say this, though, Scotty, a beautiful throw at the end of the game for Antonio Callaway's touchdown, though. Callaway going three for 81 with a touchdown. Jarvis Landry, five for 69. And Rashad Higgins getting in there as well. I wanted to ask you, moving forward, before we hit the break here, Scotty, we know Josh Gordon is, uh, you know, either going to be traded or released in the next, like, you know, 12 to 24 hours. My question for you is, who's the wide receiver two there? Callaway has the big plays, but people sometimes forget about Rashad Higgins. I think he could be a chain mover as well. How do you handicap that wide receiver two for Cleveland real quick? I think sometimes you'll see, uh, you know, guys sort of like split that secondary role. And I think that's exactly what you're what you're looking at here. You know, Jarvis Landry's going to become what he was in Miami. He's going to become a huge target monster. David Njoku, I remember that two-touchdown preseason game against yep. the Giants? It seemed like so long ago. It does seem like a long time ago. He did have four catches for only 20 yards. But if you spent a high draft pick on him, the Njoku may be on you. When we come back on Roto Experts in the morning, we keep talking about this game and all the takeaways from week two. It's Dane and Scotty, Roto Experts in the morning. Come on back. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build and optimize lineups for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Welcome back. It's Roto Experts in the morning right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. The King Scott Angle, the spitting statistician Dane Martinez, taking you through everything that happened yesterday, what we think is important, what we think is just kind of diversions that you shouldn't think about because next week there'll be fugazis and things you need to forget about. Hey, Scotty, we're talking about this Saints 21-18 victory, which allowed me to narrowly squeak by in my Survivor formats. But we're talking about these Browns, so I want to mention the news that came out on Saturday that had everybody scrambling, and that's the fact that the um, Cleveland Browns say they are going to release Josh Gordon today. I don't want to get into too much of the storyline. It seems like he maybe had a uh, something of a hamstring injury when he was not with the team, some kind of promotional shoot. Maybe it was a little bit that they were just concerned about him because of his previous issues. They have confirmed that, you know, it's not like there's another suspension hanging over his head or anything like that, but it seems like it's just kind of like the straw that broke the camel's back. We just talked about Antonio Callaway, potentially Rashad Higgins moving up kind of in the pecking order, but there's also the idea that, you know, another team out there may want to take a chance on Josh Gordon. I'm hearing everyone from Dallas to San Fran to my J-E-T Jets, 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 Jets. What, talk to me what's happening here with Josh Gordon about release or is it maybe a window you think he might get traded today? What do you think is going down here with Josh Gordon, Scotty? I think what's going down is just like the organization is tired of him for whatever reason. Yeah. We can only speculate what that is. 
Uh, we've already seen the trade rumors, like you've said. Uh, so it depends really on what what uh, does another team want to take a chance on him. Somebody will. And, you know, I saw a report that they want to trade him out of the conference. So into the NFC, uh, right? Into the NFC. You know, the, this is this is the last chance for Josh Gordon. No, it's it's uh, you know, if if he doesn't do right by his new new employer, it's just like he's going to be done with the league. Fantasy wise, there was also speculation that. The Browns would sign Des Bryant, but uh, right. you know that was shot down by reports saying you know he doesn't know if he wants to play football again. Uh, people were asking me in the Roto Experts chat yesterday, game day, should I cut this guy and pick up Des Bryant? You know, should I should I cut Doug Baldwin and pick up Des Bryant? You know, it's okay to take the flyer on Des Bryant, but you know you better be very careful about who you cut for him. Yeah, I agree. I don't think Des and, – and to be quite honest, listen, if I'm the Cleveland Browns, I want to move forward and see what Antonio Callaway has. I want to have faith in Rashad Higgins as a kind of number three chain mover. I want to go with the guys that I have here because I'm trying to build something and trying to change the culture. And if they're going to release Josh Gordon partially because of, you know, kind of not being bought into the program, let's say, on some level, then why bring in Des? You know, for the same kind of reason. I want to ride with these kids. You know, if you saw Hard Knocks, it was this idea of, like, they need to wrap their arms around Antonio Callaway, right, and teach him how to be a professional. You know, they want to develop with kids like Njoku and Rashad Higgins and let Landry be the guy there, whether it's for Baker Mayfield or Tarad. So I don't think that's the case. The last question I want to ask you about this, though, I've been getting questions about cutting Josh Gordon. Now, the question is, are you holding him on your fantasy roster because you do think he'll be wearing different laundry come next week, or are you cutting him, Scotty? Are you holding on to see where he lands? Uh, you know, it really depends on the size of the league, a 10-team league. I think he's gone. It's, okay. And, you know, with the bye weeks coming up, it's really hard to stash a guy on your bench, and you don't right. know what kind of role Josh Gordon's going to play with his new team because he's going to have to learn a new playbook. He's going to have to show he's healthy. He's going to have to be eased in, et cetera. So it really depends on what you have in your bench. If you're in a situation where you have to cut someone, he's got to be the first one to go. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Um, you know, I think, I think yes, you can hold him for now, you know, because here's the thing, Scotty. A lot of times you don't have to make these decisions until waivers run, and that's probably like tomorrow, Tuesday night, or sometime on Wednesday. So what I would do, Scotty, and I want to get your thoughts on this, literally for the next 24 hours, I'm holding on to him. Right, Because I want to see if he does get moved and what scenario that might be. You made the point that they're, if they're going to move him, they may look to do it outside of the AFC into the NFC. So Dallas becomes very intriguing to me. I've heard reports of San Francisco as well. If he lands in a spot that could be conducive to him being kind of really productive, like a Dallas or a San Francisco, I might keep him on the bottom of my roster. But I got to keep that time. I'm, I'm going to try to use these 24, 36 hours to kind of wait and see and see where he winds up. Well, you Scotty, can use the next oh. 24 hours because no, you know, no waivers really run until until like right. you know, late Tuesday night. So you have the luxury right. of, you know, just waiting and seeing there. You know, you don't have to make any moves because exactly. you know, of course you can physically cut them from your roster, but you don't have it you can't pick up anybody yet. And most mm-hmm. waivers like will run on Tuesday or Wednesday, so you'll have the luxury of doing it. 
Exactly, and I think the Cleveland Browns are going to do whatever it is they're going to do sometime today, whether it's releasing him or trading. So, like, you don't have to do it just yet. Let's wait and see where he lands, or if anywhere. Let's find out. Another game, Scotty, I want to talk to you about, and I know you're going to like this. The Atlanta Falcons take out the Carolina Panthers 31-24. to Matty Ryan, two touchdowns through the air and two touchdowns on the ground as well. But I got to bring this up because, as you know, if you listen to Roto Experts in the morning, and the Atlanta Falcons skill position players are people that uh, Scotty and I have talked about a lot. And it trends in your direction yesterday, Scotty. Calvin Ridley, four catches, 64 yards, and a touchdown. Austin Hooper also gets into the end zone, 59 yards on five catches. Mohamed Sanu, only two for 19. So we know how that one goes. Julio has a nice little game as well. Matty Ryan spreading the ball around. But in duty, in for Devontae Freeman, Tevin Coleman with a big game, one of three, only three hundred yard rushers in the NFL yesterday. Tevin Coleman, 107 yards, really coming in for when Devontae Freeman is hurt. We talked with Virginia last week on Inside Injuries. She was really worried about Devontae Freeman moving forward. Tevin Coleman needs to uh, kind of move up in people's ranks. He could be a startable running back week to week, right, Scotty? Yes, yeah, certainly. You know, that's the kind of guy that makes the most of, of every single carry. You know, we, we saw that yesterday. Uh, not too much Edo Smith. He's more of a complimentary back. Uh, with Julio Jones, uh, it's a bad game from him. It's 11 PPR points. I'll take that. Calvin Ridley could end up being the most productive rookie wide receiver in this year's class. I remain saying that. You know, Austin Hooper's, you know, I think he's starting to show that he can be a more viable tight end. You know, if you lost a Delaney Walker, you have somebody else who's disappointing. He's somebody who at least should be on your watch list. Yep, and we talked about if you lost Delaney Walker, if you lost uh, Greg Olson was another guy. And, Scotty, one of the guys you liked potentially as a fill-in there was the next man up in Carolina, Ian Thomas. But he doesn't really do it in his first opportunity. Only two catches for 10 yards for Ian Thomas. This was a lot of Christian McCaffrey. He had 14 catches. Let me say that again, 14. Catches for 102 yards. Part of the reason we all thought he was an RB1 potential in PPR settings. That'll certainly get it done. But Scott, what I want to ask you about Cam Newton takes a shot in the second quarter of this game. They eject, you know, they eject one of the Falcons for it. Um, Is this going to keep happening? You know, I mean, I, I was almost at, at some point I was like, oh, watch them not actually eject the guy because, you know, they treat Cam Newton a little bit different. But Cam is going to continue to run. People are going to continue to lead with their head. This is going to happen some more. What do you think about that hit that Cam took and the resulting ejection? You know, when you watch when you watch what happens there in slow motion, it's kind of interesting because, you know, you're talking about a young second year player there, you know, in the safety and, you know, the, the announcers were saying that he should have lowered his head. He should he should have known better. But then right. again, you know, it's hard for me to say. It's like I've never played in the NFL, and I've talked to former NFL players that when you launch yourself at a certain angle, it's very very tough to stop yourself. So you know, it's it's hard for me to comment on you know how intentional the hit was, etc. But you know, if if his teammates are going to take that kind of exception, it shows to me that you know he probably should have utilized some better judgment because you know those guys really know the ins and the outs of the game and you know whether a guy can prevent himself from doing that so you know it's you know some guys are just gonna have an attitude where I don't care you know I'm just going in for the hit and they'll they'll have to deal with the consequences 
Yeah, you know, I also saw that. I forget exactly what play it was. There was a um, there was a punt yesterday where a guy got nailed for roughing the kicker, and then in the replay I saw that like you know the guy was already airborne. You know, when uh, the punt was going off and it's kind of hard to like adjust yourself mid-flight, you know, the things that we're asking these finely tuned athletes to do, you know, in the guise of player safety sometimes is very, very, uh, you know, challenging, shall we say. But I digress in a game that was kind of, you know, too much action, but I want to still touch on for a couple of things. The Indianapolis Colts go into our nation's capital. They defeat the Washington Redskins 21 to 9, making one both teams now 501 and 1 on the season. Hey, hey Scotty, what's what do we make out of this Indianapolis Colts field? We have the return of Marlon Mack, but it's still Jordan Wilkins who leads them in rushing. They both get 10 carries, so kind of an even time split there. You know, Jordan Wilkins, Marlon Mack. You have Naheem Hines who gets the touchdown. Naheem Hines, though, not being used as a receiving back. And then, Scotty, I know you care about the tight ends there in Indianapolis, and it really looks like that's going to be something of a split. Once again, Ebron outperforming Jack Doyle. Um, what do you think about these tight ends and these running backs for Indianapolis seems like a uh, seems like a fantasy herd to me uh doesn't look like any one of these running backs or either of these tight ends are really uh stepping forward yeah as far as the running backs go uh I think they were easing Mac back into action but uh the other ones are going to play a role and I think it's going to be a committee because Mac's the best outside runner maybe Wilkins is the best inside runner and Hines is, you know, versatile all-around receiver. I don't think we'll see a lot of goal-line carries for him. I think Doyle is set to still catch more passes, but he just wasn't involved in the game flow enough yesterday. Uh, you know, Ebron seems to be more of the touchdown maker, uh, but I, th- I think he's going to be a little more volatile. But uh, I-, I think they don't have a reliable third receiver there, so it's almost like Doyle and, and Ebron are, like, you know, sharing that second pass catcher role. Yeah, the only other guy there you mentioned uh, to pass catcher, you know, Ryan Grant, who did have a nice game in week one in a revenge game kind of against his former team, only puts up two for 30. On the other side of the game here, remember in the last game I just talked about Christian McCaffrey with 14 catches. In this one, Chris Thompson has 13 catches out of the backfield, 13 for 92, but they're still kind of figuring out themselves as well. Listen, Jamison Crowder leads this team in rushing with 29 yards on two end-around kind of carries, but does nothing in the receiving game. Only two catches for eight yards. You know, outside of Thompson with 13 catches, you know, you get Richardson only four for 63. Jordan Reed had a nice game, work in the middle with six catches, but they're still figuring themselves out with the Washington football team in this new offense, right? Yeah, you could see it yesterday. You know, Adrian Peterson had a very down day yesterday. That's you know, that's what's going to happen with Peterson. Everybody got so excited. We saw every start and sit column say, start Peterson against Indianapolis. But at this point in his career, we saw it last year, he could follow a good performance up with a dud. You know, he's just not what he used to be in terms of running with the same authority anymore. And, you know, with Chris Thompson, he was one of three running backs to catch at least a dozen balls yesterday. I loved him as a yep. start. You know, he was one of those guys who delivered. But, uh, you know, Alex Smith just doesn't have the weapons that he did in Kansas City, and it has no real connection with Jamison Crowder. But as long as uh, Jordan Reed is healthy, he's going to be relevant in that offense. 
Absolutely. Don't forget about Jordan Reed, okay? If healthy, he is a top five tight end in many people's estimation. And right now, he's healthy. He may be the best option for Alex Smith moving forward. I want to try and get one more game in before we hit the top of the hour, Scott. The Tennessee Titans get their first win of the season, uh, taking out division rival Houston. Houston, Scott, a year Super Bowl pick is now 0-2, but they were back-to-back road games, so we'll see if they get back on the good foot uh, in their home opener next week. Listen, uh, Blaine Gabbert leads the Titans to victory. We heard that uh, Marcus Mariota still had that nerve issue in his elbow, but I'm telling you, their biggest play, though, was a fake punt that went for 66 yards. We're still getting something of an even split between Derrick Henry and Deion Lewis. You know, neither one of them get into the end zone. Um, What do you make of this Tennessee Titans offense? I know they didn't have their starting quarterback. They got one of their touchdowns because of a punt return. But excuse me, a fake punt. But it was still good enough to be Houston. So is this like more positive for Tennessee going one and one or down on your Super Bowl pick, the Houston Texans, who are now 0-2 and just got beat by Blaine Gabbert, Scott? Yeah, I think it's more of a downer for the Houston Texans. I expected that defense to play a lot better than it did yesterday. Uh you know, I, I thought it would be, be one of the top defenses of the week, but, you know, they just didn't produce, and uh, Deshaun Watson was erratic again yesterday. DeAndre Hopkins got his. I was most impressed with Will Fuller. I was saying don't use him yesterday because a speed receiver with a hand, hamstring injury is mm-hmm. uh, not something that you might want to mess with, but he still had a very good game. But I think defensively, you know, this team was was a little bit disappointing. The defense and the quarterback play was, was, uh, was disappointing, and after two weeks, you know, Deshaun Watson's looking very, very shaky. Yep, this is what, uh, you know, some of us were talking about in the offseason. I was telling people I had cause for pause for Deshaun Watson. You know, there was only like six or seven games. I mentioned there was the potential. I saw him regressing a little bit in the preseason. That caused me concern. And the offensive line caused me a little bit concern as well when it came to the Texans. But to your point, both Will Fuller and DeAndre Hopkins get theirs, both of them over 100 yards, both of them with a touchdown. And if Deshaun Watson is going to kind of keep on playing this, you know, uh, schoolyard football, shall we say, you know, he will make some plays. And so Fuller and Hopkins could be there. But I think the greater concern to your point, Scotty, is that Deshaun Watson just doesn't look like the poised, uh, you know, kind of meteor kind of quarterback that everyone was on. Listen, Scott, we were in leagues where Deshaun Watson was literally taken as like the first or second quarterback off the board. And, uh, you know, He's, he's maybe hitting something of a sophomore slump. That offensive line certainly doesn't aid the situation there. But there you the have two, it. The, the, two, the two quarterbacks that everybody was so hot on, uh, you know, Deshaun Watson and Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, mm-hmm. neither did neither of them did it on, in a full season last year. And, you right. know, both of them, like Garoppolo got the victory yesterday, but it's not like he looked like, uh, you know, some outstanding sort of fantasy quarterback. He looked like a good decision maker yesterday. But, uh, you know, kind of teaches you a lesson that, you know, that late momentum from last year or small sample, sample sizes from the year before don't always translate into the next year. That happens from both an individual and a team perspective. So many seasons I've seen, like, like a certain team, like be hot down the stretch and everybody will talk about them as a good team uh, coming out of the gate next year, and it doesn't happen. Look, I'm as guilty of anybody as ranking Deshaun Watson in the top five, but uh, you know, him and Garoppolo are showing that they still have a lot to prove. 
Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so we'll keep an eye out on that as people maybe uh, manage their expectations on D. Watson and the Houston Texans moving forward. Last thing I want to tell people is that they still need to go on over to DailyRoto.com, okay? They have produced $7 million winners, including one just last week. There you'll gain access to a line optimizer. That'll help you compose your daily fantasy rosters in both FanDuel and DraftKings. And don't forget about to go premium as well for some of the uh, betting picks as well. Money line, picks against the spread, game totals, and all that as well. We got one hour in the books, but Scotty's sticking around for another. We got more games to dissect. It's Dane and Scott. Come on right back. We're talking about all our biggest takeaways from yesterday's Week 2 action. Come on right back. 